0: Welcome to the Mortgage and Mindset in Minutes podcast. And I'm your host, Tiffany Rose, where you'll get a little on mortgage and a lot on mindset. All right, everybody, we are here today with Derek Clifford, and he is the founder and CEO of Elevate Equity. And I am so freaking excited to talk to him today. We talked a little bit before the show started, and he's going to give us a lot of information, tips. We'll talk about mindset, why people take action, why they don't take action. And just how to kind of get going on that and Derek you know before I let you kind of roll with it, I was so impressed and so excited by your LinkedIn because you and I connected maybe about like seven eight years ago uh, you were doing a seminar with Bo and uh, I just loved your message when I resaw you on LinkedIn because it literally it says I wrote it down helping helping busy w2 professionals succeed in real estate investing and that is like the best Sentence ever because my problem is, you know, I'm my mortgage lending career, I have real estate investments, but I want to get into more and more passive income. But I always have this, like, I'm so busy kind of feeling. So just reading that was like, oh my God, I need to talk to this guy. And here you back in my life again. So, yay. So thank you so much. And uh, just give us a little, you know, short uh, kind of introduction on what exactly you're doing right now. And then we'll kind of go back into history and uh, bring it back to present.
1: That sounds awesome. First of all, Tiffany, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's an honor to be here. Uh, and yeah, just a real quick thing about where we are right now. So uh, we're a commercial real estate investment firm. Uh, we do syndications and we place capital with people and partners and inside of properties that cash flow well in emerging markets. So we find properties that, are, that, that need a little bit of a lift or a little bit of a value add. Uh, and then we bring in investor capital. We create the value add Uh, and then hold the property for a certain amount of time before we're able to resell and then return back exceptional returns to our investors at a tax advantage level as well. So right now we're up to about 350 units under management right now. Um, And uh, a couple of those we have most under our, actually uh, over half of them we have under our own management as well. Uh, We're doing the asset management for them. Uh, And then the rest of them are with partners as well that that we're working with very closely and looking to expand with them more.
0: 350. And yes. That is just, that's just wild.
1: <laughs> yeah. And you know, the funny thing is, Tiffany, is that when 2021 started, so a little bit over a year ago, we only had uh, 24 units in our portfolio. And in eight months, we, we grew from those 24 units up to about over 250. And then these last couple of months, we just closed on a few more and we've got three more under contract. So growth is the name of the game right now.
0: Oh my gosh, it's it's just making me motivated, but then it's giving me a million questions of why did I'm kicking myself right now.
1: <laughs> I was kind of
0: telling you before I saw you, you know, seven, eight, maybe maybe even ten years ago now, and you were saying, you know, showing the spreadsheets and what homes you had, and where you're buying. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, I can do that. I should just buy a couple of them and just you said get a. 10 or 15 year loan, you know, something that's either a little bit negative or maybe if it's a little bit positive, maybe pays a little, a car payment or something and you Mm -hmm. way up and pay one bill and you keep working, uh, you know, your way up. And I didn't do it. And I got sidetracked on other projects. And now in the blink of an eye, a decade's gone by and I could have had those two houses paid off and I could have many, many more of them. But just having two houses that were maybe 150, 200,000, almost paid off, plus the equity gain, I got way more than my 401k. Most people's, you know, 401k would have grown in five, seven, 10 years, right?
1: Yep, absolutely. But if you invest correctly, right? I mean, just just to let you know, I mean, when we first started investing in Indianapolis specifically, uh, that was back in 2017 or 2016. And when we bought bought five houses for $200,000 on one street. And when we went around to go and sell those and do a ten thirty one exchange, that was part of the process. Those houses that were each individually forty thousand dollars a piece with a small mortgage on them on each, yeah. um, ended up selling for about ninety five k a piece, um, and that was over a three year hold period, which is a pretty impressive, uh, you know, imp- gain in value. And they were cash flowing the whole time, um, thanks to the low interest rates that we had or the interest rate environment that we were in. Uh, and so we were able to use that to our huge advantage to do a 1031 exchange, which we can also talk about a little bit later on, yeah. that allowed us to step into the multifamily space. And then once we got into the multifamily space, we got the connections going, you know, brokers, they started to see that we actually closed on the things we were said we said we were going to close on. Yeah. Um, and then that gave us more and more deal flow. And then it was a matter of putting matching capital with property. And that's eventually what we ended up doing and kind of what we're doing now today.
0: So I remember in the seminar, you had said, you know what, at first, it seems really hard. And then you do it. And you're like, well, it wasn't that hard. And it's like almost exact words, because it like rings so true in my mind with anything that I learned? I'm like, okay, just do it once and it gets easier and easier. And then you said, you know, after your second or third one, and you're like, oh, I got this. I totally understand the process. Then you can start feeling more confident looking for better deals. So how does one because I know right now, everything you just rattled off, it's, it's a lot, you know, somebody needs to start somewhere. So in simplest terms, where can they start to scratch the surface on doing what you do?
1: Yeah. You know, if you want to get started, I mean, I, my progression was going with single families first, because I felt like that was just, you know, there's less zeros behind the dollar sign, right? Like there's less risk. It's, it's easier to get your hand wrapped or your head wrapped around like what it is that you're buying. So, I mean, there's a place for that, but I don't, I don't suggest if people want to get to where we are, that you stay in that realm because you can, you can totally buy single family homes and then get yourself up to like a hundred units just with a hundred houses. Right. And that's totally possible, but the lending gets difficult, especially if you're going to use uh, these uh, Fannie Mae underwritten conforming loans, because in most cases in Tiffany, you can probably comment to this. Uh, yeah. uh, most cases, the Fannie Mae underwriters, they limit specific investors to only 10 loans per person, including a primary residence. Um, And so the only way to get around that is to refinance into a commercial loan anyway, and then open those loans back up again so you can continue doing that. Um, So for scale, right, I do recommend that people start with the single family homes and get those really great interest rates, really long amortizations if you want it, all those things, right? Right. Um, And get started. And I think the first thing is Obviously, education is one thing, but I think it starts behind that. And I think where it begins is an open mind and mindset. It begins with a vision, begins with you saying, why am I going to do this? Because, you know, if you're one of those people, Mr. Audience member or Mrs. Audience member who are listening in and you're saying, oh, boy, I want passive income. And it's just like a fleeting moment. But you don't have an actual vision in your head as to what it is that you're trying to get to. Whenever you encounter difficulty, which you ultimately will because you're building a business, right, and it's on you to do it, you won't have the stick to itness to keep going and to keep going ahead. So I always say that it's consistency and coaching and vision. Those three things, if you put them all together, you're going to be able to get to where you want to go. And we already talked about vision, why it's important, because for the ups and downs, you got to find your find yourself going through them and having that vision will help you. The consistency can be done in time blocks. So if you're working a full-time job, what I used to do is I just drove into the office an hour early before anyone else got there at 7 a.m., right? And the workday started at 8. And I did anything in that time block religiously. Every day I showed up at 7 a.m. That was the discipline it took. But during that hour, even if I didn't know what I was going to do during that hour, I still showed up to at least you know, read or listen to a podcast or do something or plan out what I was going to do in the next session tomorrow, right? So that's that's the thing. So that's the consistency. And then mentorship. So getting into a mastermind or talking with others, going to even free events in your town will help get you thinking more about where you could invest and how to invest um, and and where they're having success. And You don't have to reinvent the wheel here. Just do what works. (laughs) That's exactly what we did. We found a market because we found people in the California Bay Area where I used to live um, who were investing out of state and I just replicated what they did. I found them, I look at the markets that they were looking at and just found that they were investing intelligently and found lots of success doing that. So do not reinvent the wheel, have some consistency, right? Find mentors and know what your vision is and that should help get you to where you wanna get.
0: I love that. And you're right. The vision of kind of putting it in your mind that knowing that here's what the outcome's going to be something measurable. And no matter what you have to put yourself through and get through, you know that you want to stick with the end result. And you're right. Consistency is key because my most biggest successes have been when I have absolutely put passion and love into it and stuck with it and been consistent. When I kind of go, oh, I think I'm going to buy Airbnb. Let's look at what this house might, you know, run out for by the lake. And, oh, maybe I'm going to build a house. And maybe I, I just spend my time researching and researching. And I don't actually get anywhere. So I had to start learning probably over the last, like, three years to really start sticking with something and see it the whole way through. Because it's easy to kind of give up when it gets hard, when it gets boring. And uh, I've had to change my mindset on that.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. I would also give another tip here too, because I gave, I, I grew up, you know, as an engineer, um, I went to I engineering ask school. You that question. Yeah, 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 exactly. I, I went to engineering school and I entered the W2 world as an engineer. So very like methodical, uh, needing to know pretty much everything there is to know before making a decision. Yeah. And I found that that was actually at my detriment when I started looking at real estate, because the thing was, is, when I first started studying real estate, it was like, you know, let's call it time zero. It took me about a year and a half from time zero back in like twenty twenty sixteen 2016 or no, 2014, something around that in that, in that era. Right. It took me about t- two years for me to actually take action and what it did it for me. Cause you can go down this rabbit hole, right? Tiffany, you can say, Oh, you know, what market do I go down? And then once you're in the market, okay, who do I work with? What properties am I looking for? Do I have enough cash? Like, You can, you can always find a way to back out of a deal. And I did that multiple times. And finally, when something snapped, when one of my mentors told me, you just got to start taking some action. Like, you, You're not going to get it right from the beginning at all. No one does. And don't put okay. that pressure on yourself. So as soon as I shifted my mindset from trying to hit a home run straight on the first deal to knowing that this is a long-term process and I just needed to get started because I don't know what I don't know until you actually do it. Making that shift to make some calculated risks, understand what your downside is, right? And just make the investment. And you have to shift from thinking, making a million bucks monetarily to learning a whole bunch knowledge-wise. And that was what did it for me. When I realized, okay, I just, I'm doing this for learning because I'm in it for the long-term. I just have to know what it's like to do it and get the confidence, and I, I I thought that in my head, and then I signed the closing papers, and we were off to the races at that point.
0: Wow, that's you know what? Okay, so when you said engineer, I thought you were gonna say that that was a huge help, and I was like, oh, I'm oh, i so not the engineer. I'm the sales. I'm serving on this, but what you did was like, hey, that was actually like kind of analysis paralysis, right? So you mm-hmm. actually take action and make something happen, and that's when things started working for you, right?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, there is a there's a mindset that that will help you with this engineering mindset. But I'll be honest with you, the real estate industry is very people driven. And if you can surround yourself with great people, like if you have a fantastic agent, right, and you're asking them, hey, I'm looking for a cash flowing property, they can do that math for you. And truth be told, you know, the engineering mind, yeah, it's helpful, but really like it's just addition. When you're, doing multifamily pro- or when you're doing single family and multifamily property, it's yeah. very much you know, what's the rental income, what are property taxes, what's the, you know, um, the, the maintenance expense, what is insurance, all of those things. And it's just simple yeah. addition. And once you have that down from your mentorship, there's yeah. not really too much more to it after that. So it's very simple. So I'm hoping that I'm kind of like demystifying and breaking down the single family investing for a lot of the investors out there.
0: You, you are. And that's very true. Uh, I was math was not my strong suit. I got good grades and I barely ever did any homework. And my mom's like, I never saw you do any homework. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> good grades. And I, I don't know, actually, but pretty decent math. No, not my strong suit. So when I got into the mortgage business, I kind of fell into it when I was like 18, 19 loan processing, mm-hmm. telemarketing, all of that. But I thought, I don't know math. I, I don't know what to do. And when I learned it, I thought, well, you're exactly what you just said. How much does this rent for them? What's the housing expense? What's the property? It's basic math. I can get very creative. And now I've gotten so much better because I've been doing it like 20 years. I can calculate debt income ratios and do you pay off this debt? What do you do? But you don't necessarily need that to be a real estate investor. You just need to know the basics and get with someone good. Like you said, a mentor, a mortgage lender, seriously, like myself, that can just walk you through and do that math for you and hold your hand And it's just about like taking the leap, really just taking, not being a chronic, to say like a chronic consumer and learner, you need to like be a chronic implementer.
1: I love that. I love that term. Yeah. And and also, you know, keep in mind that when you get in this business, you are no longer a lone wolf. Um, It just doesn't work. Like, you know, people that, especially in the engineering world, it was very much that you were a lone wolf, right? Like you were given a task and you were kind of like sitting in your literally a cubicle. And you just do your task, right? And then when you're done with that, you get a new one from your boss. And that's a very, very lone wolf. Like it's it, thinking by, on your own. But real estate is very people-driven. You can't be thinking lone wolf strategy. You gotta be asking for resources and, and help, right? And even, heck, the people that you're renting to, those are people too. So your business all the way from the bottom to the top is people-driven. And so as, the sooner that you can get yourself into a mindset of thinking that you wanna work with people, And work together as a team, you know, because there's a relationship between you, your property manager and your tenant. And it's all people driven right right there. The better that and quicker that you can get into thinking like that, the quicker and easier it's going to be for you to jump into the business.
0: Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree with that, because if you think you're going to do it on your own, it's just not going to happen. If you're the type that likes to sit in a cubicle and just do your thing and checkmark the box, it's not going to be like that. And it is so fun getting out there and going to seminars, you know, we went and had drinks a few times after, you know, with Bo and uh, mm-hmm. and laughing and having fun. It's not, you know, I guess pretentious or whatever. It's, it's cool. And even when we were talking to Bo the other day, he said, Tiff, I love going to like Mexico for some kind of like retreat seminar thing where you learn a little, you have fun a little, you can do things like that when you're your own boss. And that's just yep. a beautiful thing about entrepreneurship.
1: I couldn't agree with you more. As a matter of fact, you know, Tiffany, we've created this incredible life for myself, for me and my wife. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if you know this, but we sold our house in the California Bay Area, thanks to our rentals and our rental portfolio. Um, and now we are an Airbnb adventure. Everything that we own fits in a Honda CRV. And we're on our 19th Airbnb right now. Oh and we've, we've been to We've been all the way out east to like Indiana and and down to, you know, Tennessee, uh, Austin, Texas. Right now we're in Colorado and so I'm staring at some snow outside, right? Um, And then from here, what's really exciting is that we're going to be heading west and hitting the north rim of the Grand Canyon, Vegas probably, and then LA once more. And then we're going to be spending all of quarter two this year in 2022 in Japan, three months in Japan. And that's because we've enabled this life of having a time, location, and financial freedom through the real estate investing that's generating all of our passive income. Now, I will say that doing a full-time job and building a rental portfolio up takes time and energy and effort, but that's where the consistency, the coaching, uh, and the vision comes in because you're gonna need all of those three things in order to, to, to create a life like we have right now.
0: I'm so happy to hear you say that. I, yeah. I think when I first saw you, you maybe still worked. You still had a, uh, sorry, of course you work now, have a WTO job. And I was pretty sure you said like after the next few properties, I can quit my job. So you've followed through on everything that you said you're going to do. I did not know that you'll just go from Airbnb to Airbnb. That's got to be great for business, right? For research.
1: Oh, it's incredible. I mean, and it's this, also and
0: what's this neighborhood like and
1: Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, one other thing too is that it was for mindset. The reason that we did it is because we um, you know, we we could have continued to work a W two and continued to build up our passive income on the side to live in the California Bay Area. Now, it's no secret that in the Bay Area, in order for you to live in a house, it's like easily a million bucks to find a house and you just have to like pay a seven thousand dollar. Payment, right. Every yeah. month to, in order to, to afford it. So what we did was we flipped it on its head and we said, okay, well, you know, we already have a certain amount of passive income. What happens if we enter a situation where we could live off of that income by moving to a different state? Or what about just being completely mobile in general? So that's exactly what we did. And we did this because we wanted to live the abundant life right now, Tiffany, yeah, we could have waited, we could have continued to work at W2 and scrambled, you know, doing a side hustle as it got more, as it built up more and more steam, as well as my full time job as it got more intense. And we could have done both of those things and really gotten stressed out and put in all the hard work. But we decided, you know what, we believe in ourselves. So it took a level of, you know, going through limiting beliefs, working mm-hmm. through the fact that I always tend to land on my feet whenever I'm put in a situation like this. So why not use it to our advantage? and allow us to start traveling around the country. So that's exactly what we started to do. We, we unplugged from California, we sold the house, um, we sold everything in the house. So all we have is everything in, inside of a little car. And now we drive around and we get to determine what our expenses are every month because it de- just depends on where we wanna live. Um, and then with that, we're able to easily cover everything with our passive income. So we're this typical digital nomad type of lifestyle right now. Um, And so we're really proud of what we built and we're living the abundant life, living how we want to live if we were extremely wealthy, um, but doing it right now and doing it on the cheap as well.
0: And, you know, and to each his own, you know, for anybody like listening and watching right now, they don't necessarily have to do all of that if they're like, oh, yeah, have kids and we have this and that, you know, I, I've noticed that, and some of my clients do this at times. They find reasons to say, oh, never mind, that's not for me then. You know, like, oh, that's what Derek and his wife are doing. Mm-hmm. I can't possibly be a real estate investor, but you don't have to do that, right? You can do it from home. You can start out small. You can have, you know, like you said before, kind of getting something that maybe covers your car payment and then getting something that pays. Mm-hmm. A, a credit card bill and paying that off and working your way up. And then you can do whatever you want. If you choose to travel the right. world and, you know, rent out Airbnbs and then great. And if not, you can do it from home, not being stuck at a desk.
1: Absolutely. I think so. I mean, even, even with kids, right? Like if you have a summer off or something and you really want to take three months away, like for the entire summer to go in, live in an Airbnb somewhere, you could totally do that. If you have the side income, or if you have your job set up to a point where you are locationally independent, right? And, yeah. and I think that that's a really powerful thing to do because we're all living a life and time is slipping by. And yeah. so it's really important to be able to live how you want to live, right? As soon as you can. So yeah, I, I really like that. like that comment. And, and
0: passive income is just the way to go. I uh, heard some
1: mm-hmm.
0: collapsing time. You know, if you make a million dollars over 20 years, well, okay, fine, but if you make a million dollars and especially passively in two years, it's a big difference. You got to figure out ways to collapse time. And what you're doing is you're taking every single day, living abundantly. Now, I love all the words you're using: getting rid of limiting beliefs and having that vision. All those things sound could could sound to somebody cliche, but that's the key right there. That's why my podcast is called Mortgage and Mindset. And what does that have to do with each other? People hold themselves back from doing things because they're Scared, you know, obviously fear, scared, um, think they don't can't afford it, they don't realize that there's other avenues like getting you know investors involved, and they just hold themselves back in general. Or they think, I'm going to save money and then I'm going to buy a house. Why, who do you ever know that says, I'm going to save 60,000 in 90 days and then I'll have 20% down? I call them back and they're like, I actually <laughs> have a credit card now of 10,000 because it didn't work out, but. What you're saying is ringing true with me, and I hope people are really getting that that you can do whatever you want to do. You just have to take action and and get get with people, get with mentors,
1: yes, absolutely. You know one thing um that that kind of uh reminded me when you were talking is back in the day right when I first got into my working in w two um I was very much following the Dave Ramsey route, which was yeah. if you're familiar with that, it's pretty yeah. much you clip up the cut- the credit cards. Um, you get cash envelopes and you start living on rice and beans, right? To pay off all of your debt. So you become debt free. Um, And I was very much like a proponent of that. And I think it served me really well back in the day, right? It it did a good job for me. Um, And at that time, my plan for retirement, at least early retirement was to save up a million bucks as quickly as I could and put it into the stock market and live off of 4% of that nest egg because that 4% represented inflation or, you know, uh, swings, fluctuations, and in, in increasing values, um, and so being able to live off of that was was great. Until I found out that I needed to work for twenty two years in at my current rate with even with like rental increase or with um uh, job like wage increases factored in raises and stuff. It was going to take me forever to be able to save that amount of money,
0: not collapsing time. <laughs> and
1: yeah. And so it was so frustrating because it was like, you know, I was paying off debt and trying to build this nest egg at the same time. Um, And it was just really, it wasn't working for me. So that's when I came across a few mindset books, right. To start thinking differently and have that open mind, right. To think about something else and self-development. You know, my wife had a huge part to play in this as well because she was kind of my confidant and she helped introduce resources to me and encouraged me so that's also another thing that I really recommend too especially in our podcast that we have is uh, you know my wife and I we interview everyone together leverage the power of your spouse if you have one um, so that that way you're holding each other accountable you have the same vision the same tools maybe you can work together on stuff it's just a much easier and fun process when you have that but definitely having that open mind to learn more about what's out there and getting the mentor like you, Tiffany, um, for people to seek you out and talk to you about what's even possible. Um, that's always a great place to start.
0: Yeah. And two, two minds equal three, That's what they say, right? And yeah. so when I master mindset, when I have a file, and my, thank God, I have a great team uh, at, at Guild Mortgage. And uh, my personal team, Tiffany Rose, you know, we'll kind of just brainstorm like, okay, hey, this loan, what can we do and if we just stare at it together for like 15 minutes we end up figuring out a solution rather than me like racking my brain by myself or alicia or selena or lauren or one of our team members so i love that especially if you get it for it to be your spouse too because it's so exciting and you're making these big you know dreams to. you want to do that together you want mm. how was your day honey oh i researched this airbnb it's so much like where do i even start to fill you in on so i love that my fiance and i do the same thing we everything we do, we do make decisions together and, you know, make big moves. So I love that.
1: I highly recommend it because here, here's the thing. I always say this, right? Like if you end up getting involved with your spouse or soon to be spouse, uh, then you're, you'll have, it'll be much easier for you to move forward because if you don't have that there, okay. It's easy to imagine what happens if you and make an investment with your spouse, not on board and it doesn't go well. Yeah. Right. Like That's pretty easy to imagine in your head, like (laughs) what what they're going to say, you know, how you're going to feel, what that whole dynamic is going to be like, but what happens if it's on the flip side, right? And things end up really well. Let's say you do a flip or you end up buying a rental and you end up getting some cash flow each month, right? Well, if you're not on board with your spouse, you're going to want to take that cash flow and time and effort and magnify it by reinvesting in more. Whereas your, your spouse, if they're not on board with it, may look at this and say, wait a minute, we're getting this money coming in, but yet we're spending it more. And I'm seeing less and less of my spouse. Like this, is not, this isn't working. This is not what I signed up for. This, is, this isn't yeah. good. So you either have a success story where it's gonna draw you more into the business because it's more lucrative and you see the potential there, or you have a bad result. Either way, if you don't have your significant other or soon to be significant other, in on this whole plan and this vision, it's not going to end well, no matter what you do. And you're going to slowly start to drift apart on vision, direction, and what's important to you. And I think that it's super important to spend the time to work together, to figure out what is it you both want and why it's important to start pursuing investing in real estate on the side.
0: Yeah, agreed. And so I think, you know, to to kind of recap what we were talking about, uh, starting with uh, your spouse, if you have one, you know, Mm -hmm. A good partner, friend, you know, someone confident to mastermind things, getting with a good mortgage lender to figure out what's possible. Am I using, you know, someone else's money, getting an investor, you know, things like what Bo and I were talking about, mm-hmm. using equity on my house. Should I get an equity line? Should I refinance Can, starting on that? Because you know, the things that you're doing now, people listening, if they already know this, you know, commercial real estate business, they're like, Oh yeah, I totally get what Derek's saying. But to recap, for people that are like, whoa, this is like a lot of info.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> mortgage lender, talk to your other half. Now, where do people find a good realtor that can find deals? Because what I ran mm-hmm. when I first started investing in buying rental properties is I would call the realtors and say, hey, I want to get my hands on foreclosures. I want to get my hands on maybe a or a triplex or something. And it was almost like a blank stare. Like they, they, That was <laughs> the thing. And they're used to listing, you know, the million dollar houses down the street where there's like 15 buyers fighting over it. I want to know where do you find the good realtors that can help somebody get good advice and an in on a deal?
1: Yeah, yeah. Excellent question. Um, and, and before I answer that, I do want to say, too, that even on the commercial side, one of my very first calls that I make when I get a deal come into my inbox for potential underwriting is the loan broker. Always talking with the mortgage broker about what can I afford? what offer? What price can I offer and what are the terms and what are the rates right now? Super, super important. So I, I, wanna, uh, I wanna applaud you to that because that is absolutely what happens even on the commercial side. Uh, but also for those listeners out there, it should happen on the residential side as well if you're doing single families or anything up to fourplexes. Now, the way that I find really good agents is I don't. Here's what happens. I talk with other investors. And when you talk with another investor who's already doing it, you can leverage their network by talking with them and saying, Hey, who is your agent? Because who, wh- what does it matter to them? Right? Like yeah. if they're ready to, to buy a deal, there's deals that come in every single day. Right? So if you have a connection with another investor, you can get a great referral for someone that already knows how to do investment property. Cause this investor that you've been talking with has already been doing it. So they're already proven to know what they're talking about from a real estate investment standpoint so right. get those referrals right that would and be hence, my yeah
0: hmm? and hence that's why you say you know surround yourself with people this is a you know people network that you want to be involved in so yes a great great answer and I do get a lot of clients that call and say um, do, do you have access to foreclosures and I'm like no because by the time I get the deal that you already have the realtor Mm -hmm. get them pre-approved and they go out there and they look on the MLS. So how does one find foreclosures?
1: Mm. Yeah. You know, foreclosures foreclosures are, are not really, they're not really my, uh, not really my expertise. So I, I'm not sure exactly how you do that. I I imagine there's, there's like tax sales and, you know, um, I'm sure that, uh, I'm sure there's specialists out there and other investors who know how to who know how to find these based on the jurisdiction and the place that you're at, whatever state you're in. Um, So I I think, again, the power of referrals helps. Right. Because, you know, if if I were to come to you, Tiffany, and be like, hey, you know, do you know an agent that you like to work with that does know their stuff? You could rattle off a few people already that, you know, in your network that you could say, yeah, I'd be happy to make an introduction, especially if, you end up getting the business because you make the connection, right? And it's a warm intro, so they're taking you more seriously. And I think that logic also extends out to finding foreclosures. You know, maybe you don't know yourself, but maybe you could refer them to someone, uh, or maybe another investor knows who to talk to to get another referral. So I, I, I think, think there's
0: slim to none. I mean, there's always mm-hmm. out there, but I think there's people door knocking at you know. Uh, right houses that are you know need work and they're like hey i'm gonna offer you this and you know they're ready to pay all cash or they have investors and it's kind of different yep. and of course 2008 9 10 11 i mean yeah there was a ton <laughs> yeah. of short sales and foreclosures but i just think those lists are not for the faint of heart now to, to get I mean, you you're just not going to get them so i would
1: agree i think there's, there's also that. there's auctions too right like there's auction sites like Crexy and <sighs> Yeah. Uh, you know, all of those sites, but man, those clients
0: are... going down that rabbit hole. And I'm like, it's just not, you've got to try different routes. And like you said, get well ingrained with investors and their realtors and how they're fine dealing. We buy ugly houses and all these kinds of mentality. Yeah. You're just me pulling out some money out of my house and I want to find foreclosures. It's just not as you know easy. So how do you find, I guess, now it's just so different to ask this question, but when you were first on your first, you know, 10 mm-hmm how are you finding deals
1: yeah you know um, great question I used wholesalers so um, for those of you who are not familiar with wholesalers wholesalers are people that broker properties where there's not a what do you call it fiduciary responsibility that an agent would have with you Mm -hmm. a broker is just someone who connects a seller to a buyer right and they release all type of like you know Responsibilities for condition of the property, you know, uh, anything like that, it basically goes away. So you end up buying these properties that Tiffany, quite frankly, you personally would probably not be comfortable lending on because they're falling apart. You know, they have a lot of work that needs to be done. But if you are the investor who is uh, who who is ready for this type of thing and you have the capital, you can fix it up, and then after it's all fixed up then it can appraise. And then Tiffany, that's when you'd be happy to come in and be able, yeah, sure. You know, write, write a loan on the property once it appraises.
0: Yeah. yeah um, you got to have your good contractor on board and and be ready.
1: Correct. But you know, when I first started, it was a mix of doing stuff like that, where I was working with wholesalers. And then I also had agents where I was getting into like these, you know, B, A class properties. So I had, you know, C, C minus properties that I was getting into to fix up. And then B to A properties, which are like kind of, you know, these nicer properties, a higher price that would appraise from the beginning. So I was doing a mix of buying cash for really dilapidated properties and then putting 25 percent down and then using these loans that you'd be able to help with yeah. to buy these these properties as almost a turnkey type product. Yeah.
0: Well, and, you know, with real estate, there's not. I shouldn't say this uh, <laughs> and it's being recorded too. It's going to uh, bite me, you know, <laughs> for now. Or something. But real estate is such a safe investment for the most part you have a compared to stock. Let's just mm-hmm. that, because there's a door you can go knock on and you have a roof stock when it's gone, it's gone. That's all it was. You look at your E-Trade and it's like, Oh, well there's, there's that money, you know, and this, at least if you can wait it out, weather the storm do whatever you can, wait for it to come back, real estate every 10 years, you know, has its ups and downs, but you'll get any 10 year increments, it comes back, right? So, you know, I wanna kind of take that fear out of it. It's not like I'm gonna take out 300,000 and buy this house and it's gonna be gone. If the market goes down, or if you can't sell it for what you thought and you got to temporarily rent it out, of course you have to speak to someone like me to make sure, okay, can you weather that storm and all of that, but you have a home, sticks, you know, so would you agree with
1: that? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I wanted to actually add another layer onto that and see what you thought. But right now, interest rates are just incredible. Like right now is it is the most opportune time to buy real estate. And one of the reasons is that we cannot keep up with the demand. Uh, I was reading a report the other day, Tiffany, that said that we are short more than 5 million housing units in the United States right now. People, the developers can't keep up. The prices keep climbing. So the inflation is real. Yeah. And if you understand inflation, you have to know that buying a property is going to be well worth it. Because if you take a look at it now, there's a difference between um, interest rates and real interest rates. Interest rates right now are, you know, what what would be a, a 30-year uh, fixed loan going for, for, you know, someone well-qualified? It would be like what maybe for private residence, it would be what, in the threes or maybe two yeah. two 2.9 or something like
0: right, that? Right now, they're like low to mid threes. Yeah, roughly. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So, um, but if you look at inflation, it's at 4%. So let's think about that for a second, right? You have, you're paying interest on, pro, you're paying interest on a loan at low threes, mid threes, but yet inflation is increasing with the U.S. dollar because of all the stimulus at four, at a rate of 4%. Mm-hmm. So that right there tells me that maybe it's not free money that's there, but it's right. a situation where if you if you can get yourself wrapped around the risk component, because there is a risk whenever you're you're buying, you know, and you're, and you're securing a property with a loan. Mm-hmm. the The truth is, is that as inflation keeps ramping up, and if you believe in the U.S. economy and believe that in the future inflation is going to be much higher than it is today, the same patterns that were in the past are going to be moving going forward. So if the dollar hyperinflates or ends up like becoming like a lot weaker because we're printing all these dollars, Mm -hmm. your asset is real and the loan behind it is fixed. So that means that the value increases and the loan stays the same. Mm-hmm. so you're in a way you're preserving your capital by putting it into something that has demand which is the real estate right people are always going to need a place to live especially yeah. in the next 20 to 30 years so it's a safe place to put money so partnering with someone like Tiffany to help put a secure loan backed by the federal government on 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 Fannie Mae or, or whatever you know conforming loan there is yeah. um, will help you preserve your wealth because as the economy inflates your house is going to inflate along with it or at least the value should
0: uh, uh, yep absolutely and there's there is certain people that say you know what I'm, rates are up now I'm just going to give up
1: like mm.
0: no, because I, I have never I've owned property since 20 years old and um, never have I worried that much about interest rates whether it's up, up a quarter up a half down a quarter mm-hmm. just there's a good deal in every market and over the long run, it's well worth it. Even if you have a vaca- uh, you know, a rental home at 7% rate, which we're not even near there now, mm-hmm. it's in the long run. You have somebody else paying down your debt if it's a rental property. It's going up, it's tax write-off. You have four different ways for that to be making money for you. So I don't care if it's a 6%, a 3%, or five, find a deal in any market and don't get discouraged because to me, it's just another excuse that we make up in our mind to go, the easier route is to give up. And to not
1: do it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I love your show with the focus on the mindset, because man, (laughs) that is everything. And it's, it's a game we're playing with yourself because people go off of assumptions all the time and they live their life off an entire assumption that either isn't true or isn't accurate. And it's really, it's a shame that some people will say, well, interest rates are high right now. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'll wait longer. Right. And then that day never comes it's a it's a fear. It's there's a there's a limiting belief behind that that I would encourage the listeners to try to look behind and think from an abundant standpoint. Think about what would have happened if you actually did pull the trigger back then. And the good news is is that there will be a back then in the future. Yeah. <laughs> it's now. Now is the moment.
0: Yep, I love it. I'm kicking myself because I like I said I, I still I will say I still make investments, but. Going to your seminar and not doing what you told us to do back then. <laughs> I'm thinking myself, I'm going to have to get over that. I can't. So the last thing I want to touch on is 1031 Exchange, because that's that's a one that comes up a lot. Uh, like, mm-hmm. I'm not really sure, am I allowed to do this? Or how does this work? Or how much time do I have? So can you just give us kind of the highlights on that and how it could work?
1: Sure. So obviously, I would recommend that you talk with the 1031 Exchange Intermediary Service. Disclaimer. Um, the, yeah, absolutely. Because those people are up to date on all the IRS rules, which are constantly changing. So as of right now, the way I understand it, and again, this is a disclaimer that I'm not a CPA, right? I'm not, I'm not a tax professional. But the way that I've used this, uh, a 1031 exchange before is that let's say you have a house um, that is worth $500,000 and you've got a loan on it that's 300K. So you have $200,000 worth of value or equity that you can deploy. The idea is, is that you, whatever you buy, it has to be a rental property. So that $500,000 house is a rental property and you're buying another rental property. And when you make that new purchase, you do not pay, well, you defer your capital gains and all of the depreciation that you took while you held that first rental property and it gets deferred into the next property. Okay. And so that way your tax basis moves over. So um, you don't pay the capital gains. You don't pay the depreciation, but it gets rolled into the next property. And the idea is, is that whatever you buy, it has to be equal value or more. Okay, So that $200,000 on a $500,000 property, if you use that $200,000 down and you're an aggressive leverager and you want to use that $200,000 as like a down payment for something at 25% down, well, to me that seems like you can get yourself into an $800,000 property, right, with that 200,000 approximately. So, you went from having a $500,000 house that you probably bought for 400,000, so you have a gain of 100k in there that you're rolling into the next property, right, into an yeah. $800,000 property that now you don't have to pay taxes or pay back the depreciation you took. So now you have this $800,000 property that you've stepped up the basis, the tax basis from the original property. And now you can operate this $800,000 property and let it grow. And then guess what you can do again, Tiffany? Once it's time to sell that. Yeah, do it again. 1031 again. And then this time you may be able to buy two properties, two $500,000 properties from that one $800,000, right? And then the process just continues from there. So the general rule is, a 1031 exchange allows an investor to exchange rental property or anything in the real estate realm for another real estate asset at a higher or equal value. And you can roll those tax benefits into the future and defer paying them. The only thing I was going to add here too, that might be a little bit nuanced as well, but um, you, in, whatever you do, the title that you take in the first property, has to be preserved as you roll through the so if you have an LLC that's originally holding your original, the oh, first okay, property, you cannot change title unless you do something fancy, which is what I did, which is you keep the tax ID the same, but you switch from your personal name to a disallowed LLC, which means that it's just an LLC, but your tax, it, it's you, right? Yeah. So you can do that and your 1031 company will know that. But every time you you keep deferring, it's got to stay in that same entity or tax ID as you move forward throughout the years. Um, and so that's that's a really powerful strategy that that we've used all the time. And if you partner with other people, you have to use a specific structure called attendance in common, where your title of you your entity that's been rolling through, and you want to bring in extra people, on title it literally says you. Plus someone else, and there's a specific equity percent on title rather yes. than it going straight in as a new entity, right? So, those are just a few things it's maybe a little bit advanced for the audience, but mm-hmm. I just want to make sure that they get that. So, if they want to listen to this again, then they can get. I was just going to
0: say, of. good thing this is, yeah, being recorded because they would have to listen to that again. But again, that's why you get with good professionals because you don't have to do it all by yourself, right? We have to take action by ourselves, we have to pick up the phone, we have to. You know, but researching and all of that, there's so much out there. Podcasts, like the one that you have. Oh, tell, me, tell me your podcast. I want to plug that before we end here.
1: Sure. Yeah. The podcast is called Elevate Your Equity. And my wife and I do it from a couple's perspective. And we want to learn how successful real estate investors, um, what their home life looks like as they're building their portfolios. And so we really like to explore that, you know, because it's the reality of how looking like building a, a, a business looks at the beginning.
0: It's, it's so exciting. Uh, this was like, this is awesome because it's not just because I'm in the lending world. Everybody, like I said, has a roof over their head and is listening to this and either wants to buy something or already has something. They have equity sitting there and we just want to make sure we get this information out. It's, it's so exciting to talk about. Everybody wants passive income.
1: Everyone wants it.
0: Why wouldn't you want that? So, I
1: don't know. <laughs> real
0: estate's the way to go.
1: <laughs> it is. I couldn't agree more.
0: Well, I love, I love it so much. Thank you very much. And uh, what was the other thing? So it was helping busy W2 professionals succeed in real estate investing and transforming busy lives and multiple degrees of freedom. You're all up there on your social media stuff. So guys, if you want those kinds of things, then listen to this, listen to it again, every time you get in the car until you take action. And uh, thank you, Derek, for all this info.
1: Tiffany, thank you so much for having me on. I had a blast and you are a great podcaster. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Until next time.